constantly shifting liquid crystal displayed the time, date, altitude, air pressure and temperature in a bright peacock blue light. She had never worn a digital watch before this. It had been one of John's. His watch told her it was 6.20am and that it was a Saturday. Alice turned her face up again to the departures board. Glasgow, Peterborough, York... Aberdeen, Edinburgh. Alice blinked. Read it again. Edinburgh. She could go home, see her family if she wanted to. She looked to the top of the column to see the train's time. 6.30am. Did she want to? Then she was walking fast towards the ticket office and signing her name in cramped, cold-handed writing. The Scottish Pullman to Edinburgh the sign said as she got on, and she almost smiled. She slept on the train, her head resting against the thrumming window, and she was almost surprised to see her sisters waiting at the end of the platform in Edinburgh, but then she remembered calling Kirsty from the train. Kirsty had her baby in a sling, and Beth, Alice's younger sister, had Annie, Kirsty's daughter by the hand, they were straining up on tiptoe to find her, and when they caught sight of her, they waved. Kirsty hitched Annie onto her hip, and they ran towards her. Then she was hugging both of them at once, and although she knew their boisterousness masked concern, and she really wanted to show them she was all right, she was fine, the feel of both her sister's hands pressing into her spine meant that she had to turn her head away and pick up Annie, and pretend to be burying her face in the child's neck. They hustled her to the station cafe, divested her of her bag, and placed in front of her a coffee adorned with white froth and a sprinkling of chocolate. Beth had done an exam the day before, and she related the questions she'd been asked, and how the invigilator had smelt. Kirsty, trailing nappies, feeding bottles, jigsaws, plasticine, held the baby, Jamie, in the crook of her arm, while expertly harnessing Annie into a pair of reins. Alice rested her chin in her hands, listened to Beth, and watched Annie cover a piece of newspaper with green crayon. The vibrations of Annie's strenuous efforts travelled across the table and up the twin violin bow bones of Alice's forearms to reverberate in her cranium. She got up and went out of the cafe to find the toilet, leaving Kirsty and Beth discussing what to do that day. She crossed the waiting room and pushed through the steel turnstile into the station Superloo. She couldn't have been absent from the cafe table where her sisters and niece and nephew were sitting for more than four minutes, but during that time she saw something so odd and unexpected and sickening that it was as if she'd glanced in the mirror to discover that her face was not the one she thought she had. Alice looked, and it seemed to her that what she saw undercut everything she had left, and everything that had gone before. She looked again, and then again. She was sure, but didn't want to be. She bolted out of her loo, shoving her way through the turnstile, In the middle of the concourse, she stopped still for a moment. What would she say to her sisters? 
Can't think about this now, she told herself, just can't, and she slammed down on top of it something heavy and wide and flat, sealing up the edges, tight as a clam. She was walking fast back through the cafe, reaching down beside her chair for her bag. Where are you going? Kirsty asked. I have to go, Alice said. Kirsty stared at her. Beth stood up. Go, Beth repeated. Go where? Back to London. What? Beth sprang forward and seized hold of the coat Alice was pulling on. But you can't. You've only just got here. Have to go. Beth and Kirsty exchanged quick looks. But, Alice, what's happened? cried Beth. What's wrong? What's wrong? Please don't go. You can't go like this. Have to. Alice muttered again and walked off to find the next London train.